Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Take a, a slight detour with it, and uh, we'll continue on with the power gifts like we were starting to look at. We'll start looking at that next week. But I felt to like just focus in on, because the, the issue with the gifts as we focus in on them is that often, we, I don't want you to see it mechanically. I don't want you to see it like something uh, uh, um, that's not relational. And, I, and so I wanted to kind of bring it back down to the, the, the foundation or the root of it, which is the, the relationship that we have with the Lord and uh, the reality of it, uh, of our Christianity. And so consider this question right now. Think about it for a moment. How close, some of you have heard me ask this question before, but on a scale of naught to 100%, how close do you feel to God right now? So think about it. Don't answer out loud. But you know, just, just think about it for a moment. Maybe you've had a rough day, a rough week, a rough year. I don't know, a rough something. Um, and so you, you don't feel 100%. You feel somewhere along the line there. Some of you might think, wow, I'm 100%. I had a quiet time this morning. I don't know why. <laughs> Whatever your reasoning is. But like, how would you rate your closeness to God right now? And, and then another question, like, how, how, how do you enter His presence? Like, think about these things for a moment, okay? Because uh, uh, growing up in church, for me personally, these were some of the things that I always went through. Like, how close am I to God? How close do I feel to God? Or how do I get into His presence? You know, that song is the right song. That song is the wrong song. We kind of think about it different ways. And then here's another question. As believers, how, how do we approach the throne of God? You know, with boldness and confidence, as uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says. How do, we, how do we connect with God? How do we approach God? Think about these things for a moment. Because your background and is, is, is kind of pushing you towards something with regards to these answers. Here's another one. As believers, how do we enter into the Holy of Holies? Okay, we, we, I've mentioned some of this stuff before, but, but consider it. So now let, let, let's shift gears and let's look at what is Christianity? What is true Christianity? Because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a, true Christ, a, 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 a real experience, not just a religion. Okay? Uh, I think I've been saying this every week for a couple of weeks, but Christianity is not just a religion to follow after God or have a moral compass or anything like that. It, those things are good, but Christianity is life. It's a relationship with, with the Lord. It's to Him coming to dwell in us. It's all about this relationship with God. Not what can we do for Him, but what has He done for us and what does that mean for us right now? And I think it's so vital, not just that if you're a, 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 a new Christian or if you're an unbeliever, you hear this. It's vital that you hear this. But for us who've heard this again and again, it's also vital that we hear this because we easily kind of get into a, a mechanical mode, a performance-orientated mode with, with, with our relationship with God. And we can kind of think that, oh, I've gone to church, I've done this, I've done that, I've read my Bible, I've tithed, I've whatever. And we think that now, I've, I've arrived. Now I've, uh, uh, I'm, I'm quite something. I'm special. God will answer my prayer. Whereas, you know, it, it, it's not about that, okay? So, you know, it's all about relationship with God. John 3, 16, the, these two first verses aren't on the screen, but 
John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. So the goal of Jesus' coming was eternal life. He didn't want us to perish. He wanted us to have eternal life. Not living forever, but eternal life. Sounds like living forever, but it's not. John 17 verse 3, This is life eternal that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Jesus being quoted on both those verses. And so he's showing us that eternal life is a relationship. But also, it's, a, it's, it's him coming to dwell in us. It's a relationship with and a relationship to. Okay, and the interesting thing is, we were talking with, with someone this week, and uh, uh, um, they were saying how the Bible is so difficult to understand, which for a lot of people it is difficult to understand. You kind of go into the, the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, and it can be very confusing, very condemning, or whatever. You can go into the second half of Ephesians and feel condemned. You know, you can, you can go here, you can go there, and if you don't understand what's happening, it can be very difficult to navigate through that. Okay, and um, uh, 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 what I've come to see is that from the beginning to the end, it's, it's the same thing. It's the same story. It, it's just uh, painted in different pictures. And salvation is spoken of from Genesis chapter 1, all the way until uh, salvation is bought for us and then offered to us. And that's the beauty of the Bible. It's actually very, very much in harmony. But Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27, is a prophecy of uh, what God intended with salvation with the christ with with what we call christianity and it says then i will sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean so the first thing i want to point out here is that god intended that christianity was not a thing of you trying to clean up but him cleaning you we, uh, um, i can't remember where this fits in this week somewhere but somewhere this week someone was wanting to receive a uh, 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 christ our pastor in Solari's past was ministering to someone and she messaged me back and said that they first want to go and sort out some things in their life. You know, they're living with someone, they want to, uh, 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 I'm remembering the context now, they're wanting to get married and then they'll receive Christ because they feel like they need to sort themselves out and get right with God first. And she went back to them and she was like, you, don't, you can't do that. Like, you can't get right enough. <laughs> no matter how hard you try, you're not going to be good enough. That's the point. He wants you to come right now as you are. And then the, 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 this lady and this, this, this guy then you know, accepted Christ and, and made a decision to receive Him because they realized that if God wasn't interested in them cleaning up their act. He just wanted to come and live in them. He just wanted to, 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 to rescue them and have a relationship with them. So it's, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. Some of you are saying, give me some of that water. It's not, that, it's not water. <laughs> it's not real like H2O. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. And you shall be clean. From all your filthiness, from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart will I give you. And a new spirit I will put in you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. This is God's aim with salvation. I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. He's saying that because the spirit is within you, you're going to do these things. Because you're, the Spirit is in you, now you're going to start to live right. It's not an effort to try and live right or live for Jesus. What this is saying, it's just, it, it, He's in you and He's propelling you in the right direction. Okay, there's a, something causing us to go in the right direction now. What does God mean with, with salvation? Look at 1 John 
chapter 1, from verse 1 to 4, from the Living Bible, it says, uh, Christ was alive when the world began, yet I myself have seen him with my own eyes and listened to him speak. I have touched him with my own hands. He is God's message of life. So John here is, is talking about something tangible, right? I've touched it. I've experienced this. This isn't something like some philosophical idea that he's kind of talking about. He didn't learn this in a book. He experienced something. This is what he's talking about. This is the one, uh, this one who is life from God has been shown to us and we guarantee that we have seen him. I'm speaking of Christ who is eternal life. So eternal life is a person. Eternal life is coming to live in you. Now you've, you, you've got a relationship with God for eternity, forever. Okay? He was with the Father and then was shown to us. Again, it's something experienced. Again, I say we are telling you about what we ourselves have actually seen and heard. So that you may share the fellowship and the joys we have with the Father and with Jesus Christ, His Son. And if you do, as I say in this letter, then to you too uh, will be full of joy. And so will we. And so he's saying, I like how the King James puts verse 4, I'm writing these things that your joy may be complete. Saying that salvation will bring you complete joy. Now there's a couple of things we have to look at with that. Okay, we have to consider with that. But, but the main point I want to bring out of this is, John is saying he's experienced something. Salvation or Christianity is something to be experienced. Not something just to be believed and um, I'm just trying my best. It's, it's, it's a relationship. It's an experience. It's real. Okay, so for us who are believers, how real is Jesus to you? He wasn't waiting for you here. I was. It's true. He came with you. Because he said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So he wasn't waiting here for you to arrive. I was waiting for you to arrive. Because I have something on my heart to share with you. But God himself wasn't waiting for you. We don't go to church to meet with God. You come to meet with me and with everybody else in the room. <laughs> and you come to hear what's on God's heart for us. But you can get God's heart out there. You, just, you, you, you can't get my heart there. You can't get Lucas's heart and Ben and, and Lisa and all of us. We, we all got things that we want to bless you with and share with you and enjoy your company. And It's like you can't experience that if you didn't come. Church isn't just about meeting with God, it's about meeting with each other. It's important. This fellowship, I love the, the word fellowship in this verse. In, in the Greek, it's um, uh, uh, um, also defined as communion. So this is showing, you know, and, and in the Bible, the only time that uh, you know, we, we kind of call communion bread and cup the Lord's Supper. Okay, that's not communion, according to the Bible. Okay. That, that's, that's bread and cup. It's, it's part of the Passover meal. It's, 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 it's something separate. When the Bible uses the word communion, it's talking about fellowship with God and fellowship with each other. It's talking about intimacy or a relationship. You can't get, you get more joy out of this than a ritual. The ritual can be a blessing to you and all that. But what I'm trying to show you is that this is talking about a communion with each other and with the Father. Okay, this is what biblical communion is. Okay, look at it. It's John 14, verse 20. 
And that, at that day, you'll know that I am in the, my Father, and you in me, and I in you. That's a whole lot of togetherness <laughs> happening right there. That's what communion is about. It's, it's, it's um, uh, in, at that day, the day of salvation, you'll know that I am in my Father, so Jesus' Father are one, and you're in me and I in you. In other words, you can't really tell the difference between all these the, the, the people involved in this communion, this fellowship. It's, 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 it, 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 it's, it's, it's intimate. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Now may the grace and joyous favor of the Lord Jesus Christ, the unambiguous love of God, and the precious communion or fellowship that we share in the Holy Spirit be yours continually. Amen. This is showing us what, the, what we share, what's our communion, what's our fellowship. It's the fact that I've got the Spirit. Yes, I do. You've got the Spirit. Okay? But now, because we've all, like, as believers, got the Spirit of God living in us, like, that's what unites us. And so that's why often you hear the testimony of why we sometimes feel closer to believers than even unsaved loved ones. Because we, we're united in the Spirit. So the reality of, of Christianity is I am one with Him and I'm one with you. Even if you grate my carrot the wrong way sometimes. <laughs> and vice versa. Okay, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 says, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? This is Christianity 101. You are God's address. As I was praying uh, 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 in preparation for this, me this meeting, I just really felt God wanting to highlight that. If you're an unbeliever and you're looking for God, look no further than a believer. <laughs> if you're a believer, you shouldn't be looking for God because He's with you. He's in you. Okay? You are God's address. Okay? Uh, um, you are a temple of the, 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 of the living God. Verse um, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17. But anyone who is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with Him. One with Him in spirit. This is, I'm just trying to show you what Christianity is. It's not trying to live for Jesus. Take that burden off and realize that Christianity is you just receiving the invitation for Him to come and live in you. I heard a beautiful uh, 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 um, analogy of this. And I hope I don't botch it up. Because I've only heard it once, before, once, and it was, I think, last night or this morning. Imagine, let's choose Elon Musk. Elon Musk, you know, I don't know what his house looks like. I've never looked online, and I've never seen pictures or never heard anything. But let's pretend that I do know. Yeah, everything is electronic. Everything is electronic. You walk into a room, and maybe the temperature changes for you, depending on who you are, or whatever. But like, everything is just like comfortable and perfect and spacious. And now he phones you and he wants to come and, and, and stay with you for a week. Some of us might feel like, wow, I, don't, I can't host someone like this. Some of us might feel like um, uh, uh, just maybe ignoring the phone call or something. Because you know, we don't have enough space. We, don't, we don't, can't live up to that standard. But now imagine if we said to him, you know what, make yourself at home. Make yourself at home, whatever renovations or whatever you want to do to make yourself comfortable, go for it. <laughs> That's thinking like a, a, a true believer. <laughs> you know, now, now he comes and he like demolishes your house and he makes what he wants and you're like, go for it, go for it. 
you know, it's your, your, your house, you know, so you, you, you can do with it what you want, <laughs> you know, but let, let's just imagine how he upgrades it to a place where it's like much more than you could ever imagine. And now he stays there for a while, but whether he's there or not, he's, he's obviously made it, uh, 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 sounds horrible to say better than it, than, than it was, but much better than it was. I mean, even my house would be much better, I'm sure, if he, if he was to just go for it. I might not like it, but I can sell it. <laughs> you know, and then get something I like, you know, just be honest. I might not like what he does with the place, but this is the point. We invite Jesus to come and dwell in us. But we don't think about how he upgrades us. We think now it's us trying to live for him when he, like there's a huge upgrade that takes place. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we can't see ourselves as, 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 as got this sin nature inside of us. Or, or, or I'm still got all this muck inside of us. We've got to see ourselves as, and I think the verse will come up eventually. It does. No, it doesn't. Maybe later. Complete in Christ. Colossians uh, chapter 2 verse 10. We are complete in Christ. The moment we receive Jesus, we become complete. It's unfortunate that that's not the picture that religion paints for us. Because now there's always this carrot of one more thing, one more step. You know, and, and, and good and well-meaning uh, Christianity and churches fall into the same trap of making people feel like there's always something else to attain to. You know, we've used the, uh, you, you used to use the, 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 the phrase even of, well, what's your next step? And I can understand that and appreciate that, but it gives you a sense of, I'm not complete. When after salvation, your very next step should be discovering how complete you are. Not feeling like I need to do something to try and get closer to God. Because you can't get closer to God. I'll get there just now. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 26 to 27. Now, before we read this, we're talking about the abilities or the gifts of the Spirit. And I haven't even mentioned that really yet. Why? You know why this is important? Because you cannot operate in the power or nature of Christ unless you believe how complete you are. You can't live like Jesus unless you realize how much you like Him. Okay, there's a divine mystery. A secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but it's now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. It's not saying that unholy believers don't experience that. But it's saying that as a believer you're holy. Verse 27. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. The mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hopeful uh, uh, with rit the riches of, of glory for His people, and God wants everyone to know it. So this is all just saying, you know, the, the, the mystery, what was hidden from Genesis to Malachi. What was hidden from Genesis to Malachi and was revealed in uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. What was revealed there, but is now manifested from Acts chapter 2 onwards is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's Christianity. Christianity cannot be anything separate from Christ. Because now you've become one with Him. It, it, it takes the effort off as well. And that you don't have to try and be 
be good, you just need to believe the gospel. So the point with all of this is most of us are really living way below what God's got for us, if we're honest. And, uh, uh, you know, I didn't start off with testimonies. We'll get there. If you've got testimonies from the week and it's encouraging for us to hear of, 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 of how you've stepped out and how you've given a word or, or whatever. But the, the point is, is that we, we, we need to stir ourselves and each other up with this so we can, we can start to step out more and live, live like Jesus more. But, um, you know, God wants to live through us. Imagine this for a moment. Every Christian, even if it was just us all in this room, Going out there and living with Jesus' kind of self-sacrificial love. Imagine if all of us, however many we are tonight, went out there and lived with Jesus' kind of self-sacrificial love. Because that's the kind of love that He had. We went out and we just loved people like that. I'm not even talking about power. I'm just talking about love, which is powerful. Don't get me wrong. But the point is, if we just started to live like Jesus... Things would change out there. Now imagine, add on, on, on Jesus' kind of, of power flowing through us to heal, to liberate, to restore. Imagine we went out with that. How much our world would be impacted wherever we are. Things would, would really start to be spiced up, right? It all starts with us knowing. This is the biggest problem. We... we, 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 we walking with a lot of different people at the moment and the number one common uh, uh, the commonality between everyone that we're walking with right now and through through issues and through uh, relational challenges and things like that is this one thing they don't know what happened to them when they got saved that's the number one uh, uh, issue in the, the they may say they know it but they evidently don't by the choices that they're making or by the, the way that they're treating each other or whatever the case is but if they just came to a revelation of who they were in Christ, the moment they said yes to Jesus, what they became, this new creation, they would start to live better. Why? Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, Proverbs says. And if we truly believe the truth about ourselves, it would change the way we live. Think about it. What's the most um, powerful, whose who's is the most powerful opinion in your life? It's not God. It's not, not your, your, your spouse or your mother or your in-laws or your whatever. It, the most powerful opinion in your life is yours. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about you. What really, it doesn't even matter, hold your stones, what God thinks about you. It really doesn't. Do you know why? Because God thinks amazing things about you and it doesn't change anything in your life unless you believe them. Your opinion and your belief needs to line up with what He believes about you for your life to change and for you to experience His goodness. If you don't, it won't. Okay? So, the reality of Christianity is that you're never going to get closer to God than you already are because you're already one with Him. And I get the, the question in the beginning, how close do you feel? It's kind of a trick question. Because you can feel far from God, even though you're one with Him. You, you, you can feel far from your spouse that you're one with right now, even if you're already one with them. The, the key there is intimacy. The same thing in our Christian walk. If we lack intimacy with, with, with God, relationship with God, then what happens? We feel distant. 
Then we feel like, where are you, God? You're somewhere out there, over the rainbow, far behind the hills, and I'm all here by myself. And then we sing songs like, you know, I, me on earth and God up in heaven, and you know, He's far away, and He's right here, right now with you, and He's got the solution to the challenges that you face. All you need to do is start to believe it. So, a good question to ask ourselves is, <clears throat> you know, are, are, are we living in the shadows or are we living in the reality? And I'll explain what I mean. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. It says, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not, uh, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshippers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. I like the way another translation says there would be no more sin consciousness. So what this is saying is that the law was a shadow. There's a lot of things you can pull out of this, and, I, uh, uh, and I'm re restraining myself. <laughs> because the main thing we need to see here is the law is a shadow. A shadow reflects something. It's a reflection of something. So, I mean, there's lots of shadows in this room right now. The shadow is not the reality. Okay? That's my shadow. I am the reality. <laughs> That's just my shadow. Okay? You don't go and talk to my shadow and hug my shadow and celebrate my shadow. You celebrate me. Amen? <laughs> you know, we don't have relationships with shadows. And this is what this, this, this passage is saying, is that the, the law was a shadow. Now I'm sure, present company excluded, uh, 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 we, don't we don't hold on to shadows more than we hold on to Jesus. But there's a lot of believers who do. And I'm sure if you dug deep, you'd find something in your heart that you're holding on to a shadow in some way. But the sacrificial system was just a shadow which concluded then when the reality came. And Jesus is the reality. Jesus is the reality. Okay? So we don't go through these sacrificial systems in order to approach God and worship God and connect with God because now we've got the reality. God's not hiding from us. We're one with Him. God's not hiding for us. We're one with Him. I have to say that because some people he's, believe He's not hiding from us. He's hiding for us. But He isn't. He, he, he's revealed Himself to us. And He's living in you. Now you just need to come to know that and start to believe that. And you'll see things transform. The reality, one of the, the beautiful things that Jesus, the reality brought with Him, was no more focus on sins. No more sin consciousness. You know what that means? No more condemnation. Why? Because he paid for it. Now let's be honest, we don't, we don't get a lot of that in Christian circles, right? We, we usually get things pointed out to us. This is what's wrong with you. <laughs> this is what you need to repent of. This is what you need to deal with. And there might be things that you need to deal with and repent of. Amen? But, <laughs> Jesus isn't pointing them out to make us feel condemned. He's not pointing them out. He's trying to lift us up out of them where we belong. He's trying to, 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 to help us get to, to the higher life that He's called us to. Okay? 
Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 to 17 from New King James, it says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival, or new moon, or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So it's saying, the, 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 the food, the regulations around drink, and food, and festivals, and, and rituals, new moon, Sabbaths, all of this, it was shadows. Okay? Now Christ is the substance. This is also saying that there's no substance in shadows. It's going to make sense in a moment. Okay? Look at the, new, the, the Living Bible. It says, Don't let anyone criticize you for what you eat or drink, or for not celebrating Jewish holidays and feasts or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these were only temporary rules that ended when Christ came. And they were only shadows of the real thing, of Christ Himself. There's so much that we can dig into with this. For a long time, I believed Jesus was a Jew. I'm grafted in. I need to be like him, a Jew of sorts. And so let me do all of these rituals and feasts and all this type of stuff. And if you like that, we love you. Go read Galatians and we can chat. But the point is, is that we, we, those things ended. We don't relate to God through those things anymore. Because Passover re revealed the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb's come. Jesus is now our Sabbath rest. So we don't have to observe a Sabbath. Obviously, you don't kill, you don't steal, you don't take your, your neighbor's a donkey or ox or whatever. We, 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 there, there's right and there's wrong. I'm not saying the law is gone. But what I am saying is that, 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 that uh, we don't relate to God through rituals and laws like that. Okay? So are we in rituals or are we in reality? Because the Old Testament rituals pointed to Jesus. Yet, if you think about it, I had this in my notes and I pulled it out because for time's sake I wanted to leave it. But this, this illustrates it perfectly. The Last Supper. Okay, you can go look it up uh, uh, in the Gospels. But the Last Supper, Jesus, he, he sends his disciples to go and prepare for the Passover meal. Okay, and they were good Jew boys, so they knew exactly what to do. So they went, they got the, the sacrifice ready, they got the meal ready, they got everything ready, they cleaned up the room that they needed to be in. There's a whole lot of things that they had to do. They knew what to do because they did it like clockwork every year, getting ready for the Passover meal. And now Jesus sits down with his disciples for the Last Supper. They weren't calling it the Last Supper then. We called it the Last Supper after that, okay? <laughs> That's very important for you to realize. They called it the Passover meal when they sat down together. So they sat down for the Passover meal. And everything is exactly the same as every Jewish household would always have it, except for one thing. Jesus doesn't change anything. Why? Because He didn't come to change the law. He came to fulfill it. So He doesn't change anything in the rituals. But He's partaking in the rituals. And he's, he, but now He adds one thing to it. An explanation. This is my body. Say what? Like he's, no one's ever said this is my body. He didn't think this is my... Nobody was pointing to the Passover meal and going, this is Jesus' body. This is the Messiah's body. They weren't thinking like that. But now he stands up and he's going, this shadow is fulfilled in me. And he's showing them the reality of that meal. This is the shadow. I am the reality. See, they were trying to observe and connect with God and approach God through a ritual. And now Jesus was saying, 
I am the fulfillment of this. So how do we connect with God now? It's a trick question. You can't. You're connected with Him. You receive salvation. He comes to dwell in you. Now you're one with Him. You're connected. But in your mind, you might not be focused on that, so you're not enjoying that. So are you trying to get closer to God is a good question to ask yourself. Because you can't. You can grow in your intimacy. You can grow in your, your passion and, and allow His life to flow through you more. But you're already joined to Him. You can't get any closer than you already are. You know, in the Old Testament, they had sacrifices. They had things to do. The, the, but now it's fulfilled in Christ. And we have to believe. You and I can't worship like Abraham worshipped. You and I can't worship like David worshipped. I mean, you can dance if you want to, in your clothes. <laughs> but the point is, is that you, you, you worship, because David dan danced in his underwear, okay? For those who don't know. But the point is, is that we, don't, we can't worship like Moses worshipped. We can't worship like these guys. Why? Because it's a different system. Okay, now it's, it, it's different. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. A lot of us are trying to mimic the faith of Abraham or Moses or David. These three guys and many others and ladies mentioned in Hebrews 11. Right at the end of Hebrews 11, it says this. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. So why do you want to mimic their faith if they didn't end up receiving? For God had something better in mind for us. You want the better, you don't want what they had. So they would not reach perfection without us. And then it goes into, from Hebrews 11, it goes into Hebrews chapter 12. And at the top of Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded with such a huge cloud of witnesses, Abraham, Moses, David, all of those people in Hebrews 11, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, who initiates and perfects our faith. The author and perfecter of our faith. They weren't looking to Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of, our, of their faith. They were looking to the coming of the Messiah. We're looking to the have come of the Messiah. He's come. He's done what he needed to do. So our faith is superior to their faith. And because of that, now our faith is superior. We can live a life of victory and reality without having to indulge in the shadows. Okay? So let me ask you this question again. How do you enter in? If you're already in. You know, that was one of the questions I asked right in the beginning was, like, how do we enter into the Holy of Holies? How do we enter into the throne room of God, you know, with boldness and, and confidence and all of this? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 was a, a, a fridge magnet scripture for me. We literally put it on a magnet and it's on our fridge. Okay, and we, we had them available at church often. But Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne room of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. So confusion comes in because we don't... Um, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Interpret the Bible correctly. We read this and we think, now I need to enter in. How do I enter in? With boldness 
I can enter the throne room of our gracious God and I'm going to get receive his mercy. I'm going to find grace to help me when I need it the most. When do you need it the most? It's hmm? when you're unsaved. Okay. Now that you've come as an unbeliever to the throne room of grace and an unbeliever can come boldly and confidently. Now that they've come, I'll explain why you look at it like that. They receive mercy and they find grace to help. And now as believers, do we need more mercy? No. Do we need more grace? No. We've got His grace. We've got His mercy. Now the book of Hebrews is written to, you would say, a mixed multitude. It's not just written to believers. It's, a, it's written to the Jewish mind. Some of the Jewish minds were, were sitting on the fence about the Messiah. They, weren't, they hadn't made up their mind if Jesus was the Messiah, if they are going for, for Christianity. Some of them had gone for, for Christianity and some of them were not. And so the writer of Hebrews is dealing with all these different people and that's, he's progressively showing this through it. You can see it even when it gets to Hebrews chapter 10. Most of us in this room haven't offered a, a, a sacrifice of an animal. So Hebrews chapter 10, which we read, has no relevance for us. It's written to a Hebrew mind. Unless you're a Hebrew and you've made sacrifices and all that, it doesn't make sense. Okay? So we've entered in. We've entered in. As believers, we're, we're now living in the Holy of Holies. I didn't put Hebrews chapter 10 there. Uh, verse uh, 19 to 20. And I just want to turn there quickly. Last verse. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 19 to 20. You know, these are the things, as I was uh, uh, preparing for this evening, I realized we need to be convinced of these if we want to love people like Jesus loves them. Because love lives in me. I've been born of love, but I need to be convinced that I'm not trying to get more love. That I've got the fullness of God's love living in me. The same thing with power. We can't operate in power in gifts of the Spirit, abilities of the Spirit, in, in healing and miracles and things like that, if we still feel incomplete, like I need to get something. Salvation made you complete, and if you don't feel like it, it's not God's fault. If you don't feel like it, you've got to start to believe what the Word says. If you're feeling incomplete, we sympathize, but now it's time to get into the Word and see what the Word says, and then start to believe it so that you can mature in it. Okay, look at verse 19 then. Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which is consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. So this is talking about salvation. It's not talking about coming to talk to Jesus, or coming to talk to God. Because we've come to the Father, we've become one with the Father, when did you come away from that? You, 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 when, when salvation, you become one with God, you never leave to come back. You never leave His presence. He's always with you. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's good news. The good news of the gospel is often not preached. The good news is that you're one with Him and you can't get any closer. So the whole Christian journey isn't about trying to become something. It's about discovering something. And what the, the, the way that we step into this is simply believing the gospel. When you believe it, you get born again, and then He comes to dwell in you, and you get to live out this Christ life now. 
And the, the more you come to know it and the more you step into it, the more you experience it. But somebody who's not experiencing it, compared to someone who's experiencing it, they're both equally complete in Christ. They're both equally full of His Spirit. They're both just not, they just differ in their expression of it. They differ in their uh, stirring up of the gift of, of the Holy Spirit in them. They're differing in their passion to go for it. In their focus on, on the Lord and the things of God. That's where the difference comes in. Maturity. Amen? Amen. Father, I want to thank you for this reality of Christianity that we can experience just a real relationship with you. I thank you right now that you just reveal yourself or just speak to our hearts, to each and every single one in this room in just a, a special way, Father. As you're sitting there, just open up your heart and you know, allow the Lord just to speak to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to share something with you for you. Father, I thank you that, that we can enjoy this life not through having to follow after you or find you or do all these rituals and things, but just by having relationship with you. Just by believing what you've made us. Complete new creations filled with your goodness, filled with your love, filled with your power. Thank you that salvation is rescuing us from perishing to give us eternal life. It's rescuing us from, from, from uh, perishing to give us eternal life, to put your spirit in us so that we will know you and enjoy you forever. We thank you for that, Father. And with, with our eyes closed, I just want to challenge you that if, if you've never made that decision to receive Christ, if you've never made that decision to have him come and dwell in you so you can become his address, then don't leave tonight without coming and asking for prayer. Or if you came with someone, asking them to pray for you. It's the most important decision and it's vital that you make that decision to receive Him. You know, I'm not going to ask you to come forward or anything like this. I'm going to ask you really just to, to, after the service, just come and allow us to just pray with you. And even while you're sitting there, all it takes is believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead to make you right with Him, and, it, and, and then just takes a confessing that He is Lord. And so you can even just come up and say, hey, I'm confessing Jesus is Lord. And then we'll celebrate with you and we'll pray for you. Thank you, Father, that anyone who needs to make that decision, Father, that you just help make the way for them to do that before they leave this, this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I really just feel like there, uh, uh, there's a number of people. I had a similar word last week, and, and as I was praying this, this morning, I really felt again strongly that, 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 that some people have like a spirit of heaviness on them. And God's just wanting to take that off of you. God's just wanting to, to, to replace that with the oil of joy, with, 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 with joy unspeakable. And I know this might be difficult for you if you're in that place especially, but I want to encourage you, while we're all sitting, or while everyone's sitting with their eyes closed, if that's you and you're saying, I've got a heaviness on me that I want gone, just stand up where you are. 
as a response to say, hey, I'm, I'm in business and I, I, I'm tired of this thing just, just holding me down and pulling me back. Because God wants freedom for you. I really just, just, just saw this picture of, you know, last week it was a wet blanket, and this week I just, as I was praying, I just felt like God repeatedly said, so there's a number of people who have a heaviness on them, and I want them to, to be free from that. So for those that are standing right now, I just speak freedom over you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I just thank you, Father, right now, that whatever is holding them down just lifts off of them in the name of Jesus. I just declare freedom over you right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you speak to their heart, that you shine the light of your word, your truth in their hearts, and that that truth, as it comes, will just cause freedom to break out inside of them. For some of you, I really believe God's just saying it's, it's not a, an issue of a spirit of heaviness. It's, it's an issue of your focus is wrong. And you know if that's you, so then just adjust your focus. For the others, I really just feel like God's saying, hey, that you have authority to walk free from this. You're bigger than this. The greater one lives in you. So stop, stop uh, 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 holding on to this and, and complaining or, or feeling like you're a victim because you're a born-again victor. So just now it's for you to rise out of that and not let it stay on you. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch by email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.